From the beloved family dog to domestic ducks, honeybees, camels, fish, or a surprisingly cute grown male lion, humankind has managed to tame a varying range of animals into a domesticated state. Animal domestication refers to an extensive relationship established between human and animal beyond simple predation. There are three classes of animal domesticates. The commensals, adapted to a human niche, dogs, cats, and guinea pigs. Prey animals sought for food, cows, sheep, pigs, and goats. And targeted animals for draft and non-food resources, such as horses, camels, and donkeys. The first class is structured around love and pleasure, the second around survival and revenue, and the third around mechanization and efficiency. For some, the notion of pets is cruel. For others, animals as food should be a crime. Wherever you are on that ethics scale, you're probably confronted with it regularly in your immediate environment, be it from domesticated dogs in your street that you fear or that aisle of cold meat at your grocery store. Yeah. For many domestic workers, pet dogs can be an unfamiliar added responsibility. For the sake of getting a job, they're prepared to nurture and care for the dog at the standard that the employer requests. Sometimes that standard is higher than her own treatment, with the family dog getting better food, a better bed, better blankets, or sitting in the front seat of the car and her at the back. Tonight, we explore these varying domestic perceptions of animals with a madam and a domestic worker, so to speak, mm-hmm. to explore the perceptive adjustments that were made, if any, in order to make the relationship with the family pets both possible and healthy. I'd like to welcome the lovely Amanda and Felicia, who are with me in studio tonight. Amanda's been on the show before in a two-part series where she shared with us her childhood memories and guided us through her impressions of our modern-day relationships post-apartheid. And her lovely and healthily outspoken domestic worker, Felicia, from Zimbabwe, has been with Amanda and her partner for how many years? Six years. Six years. Yeah. Uh, so, ladies, welcome to the Maid Sessions on Cliff Central. It's good to have you. How are you? Thank you. Very good, good to be here. Thanks, T. I don't understand exactly what you said at the beginning <laughs> of the show, so hopefully the questions will be more simple than your introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, too. Uh, I hope that it will be. I'm on my own tonight. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bali won't be able to join us, but we miss and love her. Uh, Let's get started. So tell us about the first animal you ever loved. Let's start with Felicia. The first animal was a dog, a big one. Was it the family dog? Yeah, it was a family dog, but uh, I was like the one who's owning that dog. Oh, okay. So how did you get to owning this dog? Where we grew up, there were so many dogs. So we have to raise dogs from our neighbor. You, you were given from our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And how old were you? Do you remember? Mm, I think I was three. Three, and you already fancied a little dog. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's amazing. Can you tell us about your first animal that you've ever loved, Amanda? Um, I'd semi-loved them. I was also a selfish little girl, I think, <laughs> more involved in my own life. But we had two dogs, Sparky and Nikki, and... In my growing up years, Nikki and Sparky, it was a Spaniel and a Ridgeback. They were sweet, but I didn't treat them like I treat the dogs today, like Frankie and Lulu. They were family home dogs. Mm. They slept outside in a kennel, which you would probably say is a lot more normal than on couches and in beds. And um, (laughs) 
They, you know, and they got patted and petted, and I didn't think about them all day. Whereas with Frankie and Lulu, I feel like they're children in a way, and and Felicia knows. She, you know, I even call them my babies, and Felicia really does look after them like babies. So my relationships changed. I did love Sparky and Nikki, hmm. but I didn't think about them all the time, you know, and I probably should have had kids rather than taken on dachshunds, which are a lot <laughs> like kids. But what changed between how you perceived your previous animals and how you perceive the, the ones you have now? Um there, def- there was a transition. I suppose my parents set the tone when we lived at home. And I do remember, though, when I moved out of home, my first uh, little dog was called Lentil, which was um, probably the start of my vegetarianism, uh, calling the dog Lentil. And the other dog was called Radical, which <laughs> referred to my friend's politics at the time, but I used to call it Radish. So Lentil and Radish were our dogs in Yeovil. And um, um I already then started changing my behavior. So uh, lentil and radish were very much part of our lives, and we would go picnicking with them and go. The, the days were planned around the dogs. So weekends were like, okay, let's go for a picnic to Bears Valley with lentil and radish, or let's go to Emerentia. And so from, I suppose, from my university years when I moved out of home, or just after, um, the doggies became characters in my lives rather than the fa- the dog. That mm. was it. They actually became like another human being in the home, and mm. it's remained like that since. And did you feel that way, Felicia, about your first dog? Yes. Like it was a, a human by your side. Yeah, because you you teach your dog every everything. Mm. Uh, it comes here, sit down, greet you like mm. a human being. Oh, Actually, wow. it's half part of human being, I can say that. So did you have any animals as livestock as yeah. well? Hmm. Donkeys, sheep. Could you say you loved your pet dog more than you loved any of the other animals? Absolutely. <laughs> I die for a dog. <laughs> yeah, A different connection. Yeah. Very interesting. See, um, I know you often tell me about you get stuff still for the goats um, at home when you go home. Um, you're always looking for medicine. Mm-hmm. Did you feel close to the other animals? I mean, yes. Okay. Yes. It's it's like your dog is too tired because those animals, like a dog, you have to feed a dog. Mm. But a, a goat or a donkey can eat grass. So it's, it's, there's a difference in between it. But you love every animal because if it's sick, you have to be the one who's looking after it. But it's a more distant relationship. It's more distance, yeah. a more distance relationship than a dog. Mm. A dog is, I think it's needy. Yeah. Yeah. And a dog, actually a dog does need caring. Caring. Which is why I get quite cross with human beings that are horrible to dogs because, or don't care for, because a dog, um, even a cat to some extent can hunt birds, um, and forage for food. But dogs are completely reliant on human beings, and human beings were going right back to caveman days. <laughs> but they wanted dogs. They they took dogs away. They domesticated wolves and created dogs for their own pleasure. Now that there's so many dogs running around, um, they should be cared for and looked after by human beings, who, after all, were the ones who domesticated them in the fir- uh, in the first place. I really think that human beings have got a duty. Mm. To care for animals that 
they domesticated. <laughs> but what, what I find very interesting is how there's that dynamic um, in domesticated animals and then there's the other that's domesticated to die, to, you know, be eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to first ask Felicia, with the livestock that you have, was it for slaughter or was it for milk and eggs and those kind of things? We slaughtered some. Slaughtered as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. But for me, it was hard. Yeah. Because if they slaughter, I have to go away. Mm. So I won't see all the drama happening. Because that is mm. what I was wondering. If you have, if you're able to experience nurture and love with an animal and then in the same, you know, breath, able to see one killed, um, or raise them to be killed, how do you, you know, manage to have those two things coexist. Mm. In life, you need you need meat. You need meat. <laughs> so you know, a cow so it was a necessary sacrifice. Slaughtered for meat, yeah. but f- for your heart, it's very hard to see some. You know, it deserves to live, mm. but they have to slaughter for meat for you to eat again. So, so it's like a, a puzzle. So you're not a vegetarian? No. <laughs> I love meat, but it's hard for me to see a cow or what slaughtered, mm. even a chicken. Yeah, I mean, I, I once saw a chicken get, you know, its feathers plucked off mm. and they used hot water and they put the hot water exactly. on it so that the, the the feathers could come off very easily. And then they just went for the neck. It was so terrifying. I didn't want to eat chicken for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I ate chicken that evening. Why do you terrible. think you were able to? Um, is it? It's a, it's a great question because I, I decided that I wasn't going to eat that specific chicken. Mm. And so they pretended that it was other chicken that they were serving me and I was comfortable enough to eat that. I'm not quite sure why. Mm, it's an interesting thing because, um, I, I do think that I do feel I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel the lack of meat. Like it's not that I don't look on at people eating meat or look at a steak and, Salivate, <laughs> but I always take it back to the animal. And when I take it back to the animal, it's a terrible thought to me. So I, mm. uh, it is a sacrifice for me. I do find it difficult, but it's more important for me not to eat the creature. And I feel there's enough other food to eat, um, than the thought of actually putting an animal into my body. It's a, a horrible thought. But it's like I would never be an activist because I don't, I, I do think it's a choice thing and I, I almost think that a human being uh, has got our teeth and is constructed to eat meat and that it's probably a healthy thing mm. um, because you always find that vegetarians are a bit deficient, aren't deficient or whatever. But it's definitely, it's not a way I can live my life and knowing that I've eaten an animal, it really mm. makes me, it makes me feel Sick, the thought. <laughs> Does it make a difference to you how they were killed? Because there's more humane ways of killing animals now. Does that matter? Yeah, I think if I um, had to feel absolutely desperate or doctors had to say you have to eat animals, <laughs> if I knew that they had been kindly reared um, and had been slaughtered in a humane way, it would feel better to me. And actually, it's an interesting thing that because um, I almost feel it's better if you, 
if you see the animal being killed or if you hunt the animal yourself because yeah. then you understand the consequences of the killing. What I find really ridiculous is going into a store and the meat's been packaged already mm-hmm. um, and you forget that it was an animal. And that's what I was annoyed with in myself for almost allowing myself to be unconscious for many years mm. um, and thinking, okay, well, I'm eating a carrot. It's not a carrot. That's a sheep that you're eating or, you know, that's a cow. And when I think, um, when I actually think of the animal, then I wouldn't eat it. So it was, it was that frustration of, of knowing that somebody else is doing the dirty work. The animal's probably been killed quite badly, mm. mass slaughtered in an abattoir somewhere. Um, and believe me, if you go to an abattoir, it will stop you for longer than one night yeah. uh, eating meat. And I just thought, well, if you can't kill the animal yourself, not that I'm equipped with a bow and arrow, but, but if you said to me, you are going to live in an environment where you will get a bow and arrow, you can either pick fruit and vegetables or you can hunt. I would eat fruit and vegetables. So I feel <laughs> that it's necessary for me to live a conscious life eating food that I can swallow literally. Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, I find that very interesting because Felicia, that means that you, you saw the, the creature before it became meat. Mm-hmm. So have you always been aware that it was an animal before it became meat? And have you always been, you know, sensitive to that? Yeah. Hmm. And, but it, it hasn't, Sort of made you want to eat meat less. You wish you couldn't eat it, but you will eat it after. I think you forgot, but for now, as a child, you forgot, but now it's really heartbreaking because you have to. Sometimes an animal cries, cries deeply. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Especially like a cow. A cow is a big animal. Mm. So even if you close your uh, Yes, but the sound. But now, if you go home, now that you've become, I think, probably more sensitive to the animals and they had to slaughter a cow, would you eat, would you participate in the eating of the cow afterwards? No, I think I'd rather, like, go to a butcher and buy meat than the one which is slaughtered in front of me. Hmm. It's like cruel. I know it has to be done, but he find it so cruel. I find it very interesting, the parallels mm-hmm. in experiences. Mm. Melanie Griffith's family had lions mm-hmm. oh, wow. as pets. Yeah, and they used to sleep in Melanie's bed. She was, that's amazing. <laughs> and they had a few accidents, but they actually kept the pets because they wanted to domesticate them for a movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, so that was the purpose. Yeah. So that was quite particular. But there was another celebrity. I can't remember her name now, but she had a pet cheetah or, or leopard, one mm-hmm. of the two. Yeah. So do you think you can read the kind of person that someone is because of the pet that they have? Yeah. I also do. I think that um, you find uh, cat people. I even say to someone, you're definitely <laughs> a cat person. They somehow uh-huh. seem less... Um, Affectionate maybe in a way or more independent. Mm. And I always think, you know, like cats land on their feet and are light. Um, I always feel there's a, a much more exuberant openness about a dog person. The same as dogs. Dogs <laughs> don't hide emotion. They just, they lick, they bark, they, they open. And mm. I think that often dog owners 
are much more open Open. in personalities. Like when we go to the park, we make friends with all the dog, the dogs, the dogs (laughs) and their owners. And like you, you never knew the people, but you become quite friendly with them because of this commonality that you all have dogs. Very interesting. So can you tell if a dog owner's gotten a dog purely for the purpose of security? Definitely. I mm. absolutely can tell the difference between a dog, a dog owner who's got a dog that they love mm-hmm. and that is part of the family versus somebody who's got a dog just to look after the home. Mm. You would you would know the difference and you would see it in their treatment and their interaction with the animal. Mm. Um, it would be quite evident. Wow. Yeah. So, Felicia, do you like Amanda's dogs? And yeah. I don't, I'm going to put my fingers in yeah. my ears, Fee, you can say whatever you like. I always tell him, if I go back to Zimu, would you borrow me those dogs? <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Uh-huh. I'll wow. put them in a little cage, and then I'll I bring them back. They are so, they are so good. Mm. Excellent. Mm. They are always happy. And I press them too. <laughs> did wait? Did you used to do that with your own dog? No, because it was big. <laughs> Those okay. are like small. They are mm. manageable. Oh, okay, okay. Brush them teeth. I pat them. And you have a baby of your own. I have my baby, <laughs> nine months. And Lulu is your baby's bodyguard. Wow. <laughs> they 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 fell in love with each other. Mm. At the age of two months, mm. Lulu comes and si- sleep under my baby's blanket. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So you had absolutely no problem. With... Not at all, because okay. I'm a dog lover. Okay, I'm not faking it, but I love dogs. <laughs> Amanda, did mm. you have any preconceptions about how she would receive dogs? Look, Felicia came highly recommended, and she had been looking after a baby amazingly, and. A cat, which is a different creature, but I mm. couldn't begin to imagine, and I can see that the love that Felicia has for the animals and vice versa. I can tell you that on a Monday morning, Frankie and Lulu are so down with flat little ears until Felicia, in fact, every morning, they sit at the window and they wait for her to come, and they really go absolutely dippy. And the more unglovers that arrive, the happier the dogs are. If Beyonce <laughs> is in the deal, which is the older daughter, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's double, double excitement. And, well, with Nolwazi, it's just craziness. So I've actually um, – I can't tell you how happy my heart is because Frankie and Lulu, I think, prefer Felicia and her family uh, to myself and my partner. And so <laughs> it's almost like – um there's just like so many owners. It's like a kibbutz for dogs. <laughs> and they're equally happy whoever looks after them. Mm. Um, and I just can't get over Felicia's sensitivity, her um, genuine love and her practicality. Okay. Did they warm up to you immediately? Mm-hmm. And then when you started enforcing the rules, were they okay or were they capricious? You teach them once, twice, for the third time. It's fine. It's like, it's like fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excepting you have to start again on Monday because mm-hmm. there are no rules on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. So and they're they out of control. The, dates. <laughs> the days of the week. Today is Monday and it's Saturday. Sophie is not coming. Mm. They are relaxed. So is there anything that Amanda and Ipanadine have asked you to do with uh, Lulu and 
Frankie, <laughs> mm-hmm. that you thought, oh, that is so crazy, but I'll do it. No. Really, nothing. No. Maybe I'm the one who's doing crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, Amanda, have you seen anything? No, I mean, I did discuss with Felicia. I said, does she find it horrible to pick up dog poo? Because if she does, I really don't mind doing it. I, don't, I only get round to it sometimes on the weekend. Mm. But Felicia says she really doesn't mind, and I can see that she doesn't. I, I absolutely wouldn't expect it. And if there was anything that Felicia felt wasn't nice, I would expect her to say, I don't want to do that. Um, but I can really, I can really feel that unbelievable love and spontaneity. I mean, I would never have to say to Felicia, please bath the dog. She's got their schedules worked out exactly. <laughs> and Felicia, really she like babies. Completely. Yeah, they're like my babies. I have, so you have three I babies. I always say four. Four, because yeah, I have with a your baby. Yeah. And yeah. Lulu, Frank, and the little one. So it's easy. When you grow up, you grow up, when you grow up with dogs, mm. you know what to do. You can't leave the uh, like pool lying on the on the ground. Yeah, and visitors are coming. You know, mm. it's ugly. But uh, I mean, we did have that discussion, and I said to Fee, if it's a horrible thing to do, then you mustn't. I'll do it. I uh, certainly, it's not an expectation because I think that can be just going a little mm. bit far. Even my daughter can do it at oh, the age well. of eleven. Mm. Mm. She cleans dogs' poo and. She loves it. Okay, Amanda, you told us that you feed your dog's biltong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Felicia, come on. <laughs> Don't you find that quite strange? <laughs> biltong? Yeah. That's good. Because it's, it's like your baby. You can do yeah. anything for your baby. I, I love how well-adjusted the this two of us is. This is wonderful. So completely. It's, I mean, we really are very, very lucky to have... That same love. Amanda and always like, go away maybe for two weeks. And I'm in charge of the house and the dogs. So what is your feeling? I mean, with both of you having quite a strong love for pets, what is your feeling on um, mothers being separated from their babies, you know, in order to... I mean, I'm not even the really dogs, sure. dogs, you mean? Doggies. Yes, dogs, yeah. I'm not even really sure why. I mean, I guess maybe they can't keep like seven little babies mm-hmm. along with the mother but what are your impressions on that you have to give that love to to be the mother of that pet i mm. think if you play that role of being a mother it's simple okay uh-huh. so as the long as they is, as long as they're treated well uh-huh. then that's okay then you can cuddle it and give just give them love you see i think it's really important that the doggies have got initial Mommy suckling, because I think that that's probably where they get like a baby. They get their best nutrients. So I think they do need to be with their mommies for a certain space of time, maybe six to eight weeks, Mm -hmm. so that they can get that. Does that not also create that connection that might be? It does create a connection from, from chatting to people in the bit of reds. I think sometimes it's quite difficult for a mommy dog to keep taking care of so many little puppies and for them to keep on suckling. So I think initially, yes. And I think that their chemistry also changes. The older the puppies get, I think that they're able to withdraw slightly more. I think mm. it's terrible when babies are taken away too young. I think it, it is a, a rip for the mommy. Mm-hmm. And I think that they probably, the little puppies don't get what they need. But I've actually heard sometimes the mommy dog gets quite impatient 
with when there are lots of puppies and they want her attention all the time and they're all suckling. Mm. So I think that if it's done in a hum, humane, I don't know if it's the right word, but if it's done in such a way that there's enough time for the little puppies to get enough nutrients for them to become more independent and the mommy's chemistry to settle down a bit and then, of course, need to be given to good homes. Yeah. Um, it feels okay, but I do wish there were less dogs in the world because I think there really is a shortage of good homes. And um, I think there are much too many dogs and far too few very good owners. And sometimes it also just has to do with poverty. I think people would like to give doggies homes, but they actually can't afford to and they can't afford vet bills and feeding and all of that. Mm. So it's kind of out of balance with too many dogs. Um, and not enough people who can afford to give dogs the food, the kind of food and veterinary services that they need. Um, so I would really like there to be more dogs that are sterilized um, and that there shouldn't just be so much breeding and then what to do with these poor animals. Yeah. So let's go through a few of the comments that some of the domestic workers we've spoken to oh, have, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> have, have mentioned. Mm. Um, and I sort of want to just see your perceptions on these situations. So the one was that the dogs are sometimes placed in the front seat and the domestic worker at the back. Firstly, does that happen? <laughs> Um, I you can correct was, me if I'm wrong. By that time, but now. Oh, but it's still happening today. Really? Mm. That's mm. very shocking. I, mm. I haven't the, but what does happen mm. is Beyonce puts Felicia in the back sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> when we <laughs> all go crazy. to the park, mm. she says she's in front and Fee can sit in the back. Quite honestly, if Felicia could drive, I would be only too happy to sit in the back. Um, and that's the next step. I think we have to either get Felicia to become a talk show host or a driver. Because yes, absolutely. I feel that domestic work's perhaps a bit limited. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely amazed to hear that that still happens. That uh, that a domestic worker sits in the back seat. It's mm. quite bizarre. Have you seen that? Well, it's the the domestic workers that we actually started the show with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you guys have such a playful and loving relationship that if that happened, it would be on different terms. That's yeah, or sort Felicia of my would feeling. send me into the back and say she's driving, perhaps today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, the other was that sometimes the dog will get better meat than the domestic worker. Any thoughts, Felicia? Yeah, maybe some, but for me... Like we are equal with Lulu So mm. one piece, one piece But I could imagine it I, I remember when I first spoke to you on the show mm. um, When I was growing up There was a different meat for the domestic worker Which is also a bit bizarre But I remember domestic workers I think had chuck and something else <clears throat> um, So there was like a lower grade meat Which is also I think not a great thing I mean if people are in your home and they're eating meat, they should eat the same meat yeah. as you eat. If you eat meat, I wouldn't mind if Felicia was a vegetarian. I'd like to <laughs> encourage more fruit, but I'll start. Oh. <laughs> okay, can I ask this? Mm-hmm. Would you understand if Amanda and Aideen loved their dogs more than you? No. Are you asking <laughs> if we felt more for the animals than we feel for Felicia? Is that the question? Well, 
that, but also whether that would be understandable. Because, you know, they are your children. It's a different relationship, though. I mean, I, I very much respect Felicia as another adult, um, in some ways um, a lot more capable, and she has children. Um, I don't have a child. Uh, and she she's able to do things that I'm not. So um, she, by no means is Felicia a helpless human being. She's a very, mm. very capable, strong woman who I hugely admire. Um, so it's a different kind of relationship, I suppose. Mm. I love and admire Felicia. I adore her kids. Um, and Frankie and Lulu have got a different role. It's they. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a, it's a, I don't know. I, I can't really equate those things, but I think that it would be terrible if anybody's domestic worker was not treated as well as the animals. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. crazy thought. Hmm. But I think where the craziness comes in is that, um, I think that animals have got little souls. Um, and for me, it's not difficult to treat a dog like a human in a sense, you know. I mean, the, <laughs> Sure, there are differences, but I feel they've got souls. They feel comfortable sitting on comfortable spaces. And mm-hmm. for me, it doesn't feel uncomfortable to sit where a dog is sitting. Yeah. Um, so it's a difficult thing. I mean, I, I think that all creatures have got feeling and are souls. And I find um, selfish human or for human gain, uh, I, I can't stand when – well, I think any animal is treated badly for human gain. So whether it would be puppy mills mm-hmm. or whether it would be hunting, um, anywhere where a selfish human being is greedy and will treat an animal badly so that they can gain financially, I find mm. absolutely reprehensible. Mm-hmm. As much as I am not a violent person, <laughs> if there's one thing that could push me over the edge, if I see people being cruel, to any defenseless, uh, defenseless creature, certainly animals, kids, and I know that I talk about them in the same terms, but for me, there's souls that are vulnerable and need mm. to be cared for and looked after. And anybody that can do uh, violent or ugly things mm-hmm. to a helpless creature, I then could actually take a stick. If, if I can be honest, because I've had <laughs> very terrible relationships with dogs, and um, I find it quite difficult to connect and I remember I really used, I mean, one of the many reasons that I didn't like animals was because I always felt that they're cared for more than humans are, you know, or, or a lot of types of humans. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, those that have heard me on my show know how passionate I am about racism and 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 just general injustices to marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. And I always, I always felt like, I guess, the white majority <laughs> would love animals more than us. Um, and it's been so hard to reconcile that because I can see how very beautiful this relationship is. It's quite a wonderful thing. Um, is there, is there any way to make these sort of things accessible, you know, to, so that the ones that don't quite understand the relationship between man and dog and maybe don't even want to know because of all the sort of, you know, history Mm. that brings frustrations and hurts and fear of dogs and those kind of things can start to understand, you know, where the sort of love and nurture comes from. 
the entry point. You see, I, I do I completely understand that if your experience of animals would have been that they bark at you, that they uh, set on you. I mean, it's such a it's such a different perception from growing up with this own little puppy mm-hmm. that Felicia and I have both had our own little puppies and. You raise them, and I suppose when they're little, little, they're almost like little dolls mm. um, that have got movement, and you get to know their little souls. And I think that certainly if you've had fear, probably the best way to start would be with a puppy. A puppy, exactly. You know, that's not mm. in any way intimidating and is almost like a little doll and is cute and that you feel you don't feel in any way scared. Um and I think you should also come and spend time with Frankie and Lulu. It <laughs> would be a good. But um, it's, mm-hmm. it really is a very difficult thing. And I think that the history of the country has created uh, a lot of uh, a lot of our population being terrified um, of dogs. They were always associated with the police that went into townships and mm. uh, barking and ugliness. And then there were dogs in the township who didn't have enough food. So they would snarl and it just became a vicious cycle. Mm. And as Felicia says, you can train dogs to be anything. I think mm-hmm. that's the beauty of them. You know, yeah. they, they really can, they're so malleable. Mm. Um, I think it's a little bit harder to untrain them if they've been maltreated, but a lot of human beings do. They spend time with who, yeah, uh, with. She must get a puppy. And, but Start I think, with the puppy I think so. And give I it think. love. Yeah. Love. Massage it. No, just learn. Mm. How to live with it. Where mm. you grew up, you didn't grow up with dogs. I grew up with dogs that used to chase us every morning. And the, and the neighbors used to let them out on us. Neighbors dog, not. Yeah. In, yeah, neighbors mm, dogs. Okay. So it, it wasn't, I never associated them to something nice, you know? Mm. So it's hard to associate it to something else. Even though I've, I see, you know, how they, are loved and mm-hmm. love in return. Mm. Um, it's it's ha- it's hard for me to imagine that they will give it to someone that isn't their owner or someone that doesn't take care of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so. they will give love. You mean? Yeah. Oh, they yeah they 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 really do give love <laughs> if they if they treated well if if doggies are treated yeah. well. And their, their natures have, they'll only, I mean, I think even with pit bulls, I think pit bulls can be the most gentle dogs if they're trained and brought up properly. Um, I think the problem comes in when the human messes up the animal or trains the animal to be aggressive or keeps them on a leash um, or mm. on chains. I think some humans train animals to be aggressive. Aggressive, exactly. And so I think that if a, if a, a doggy is treated well and properly, and that's not to say no discipline, um, but but is treated correctly. Um, I, th- I, I genuinely think that their nature is to love and to be loving, and I think it goes wrong when they're not treated properly um, or are reared and are trained to be aggressive. So I completely understand why you feel the way you do. I think a lot of owners take on dogs that have been mistreated and then they can only rehabilitate mm. them to a certain degree mm. um, but then those people would normally know to keep them on a leash and okay. um, would keep on trying to condition them to make them softer and to socialize them more um, so 
But I think that um, dogs are very much a reflection of how they've been treated by mm-hmm. humans. And I think in a, in a good society, you would have good animals. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was, I think maybe it was even Mahatma Gandhi said that you can judge a society on the way uh, the animals behave mm. or, I, I, don't quote me. I'm not the best with quotes, but it has something to do <laughs> with yeah. that, uh, that the way dogs, or not dogs, the way animals are treated or the way animals are in a society is a reflection of that society. Mm. Mm. All of your family loves dogs, Safi. Everyone. There's hope yet. <laughs> There's hope yet. But I'm going to get a puppy. <laughs> Felicia and I are definitely going to go out and look for a puppy for you. Uh-huh. And you definitely Can it be one of those small ones that don't really grow? They're we can see, we'll see thing. that it becomes the a miniature. The one you're going to put it in your hand, thank you, when you go for a shopping. Uh, you and ha- Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. You can walk around like the celebrities. Then if you put your hand <laughs> <laughs> I just find them so adorable. And I know they won't do anything to me. So no. that's a good start. Could you please try? If, if the only thing is they might protect you, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So I feel very, very safe. Because um, I leave doors open at home, mm-hmm. but I know that Frankie and Lulu they start barking minutes before anyone's even within range of the home. So they're actually wonderful watchdogs to mm. to you, you know. Yeah. And one they feels. Shout. Yeah. So all they, all they need to do is be loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, ducks. Yes, I don't think um, I don't think their bat is that serious. Mm. But um, I think people would. People would really stay away from ducks and barking. It's mm-hmm. so crazy. Even they show you if maybe there's a lizard inside the house, there's a bed. They can tell you there is something. Which but is they weren't bad. hunters. <laughs> no. What I really enjoy about this conversation was that we needed some kind of balance. We needed to understand where it is working mm-hmm. because we've been hearing all the ways that it wasn't. I wish everybody can love the dog. Mm. You can maybe... Buy or adopt a dog, mm. then love it until the day you die. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I wish if I, I have money, I could have a farm, then I adopt every single dog. Oh, really? You love them dog. that much? Uh-huh. This is incredible. We have to make money because I'd love mm-hmm. to do that too. Wow. Okay. So, so I, I also would love to do that. And I Just, couldn't think I'll of a better person a than Fee. Dog's mm. heaven. Mm. Dog's heaven house. So mm. uh, every single dog there, I can adopt it. But I can tell you that the rewards are incredible. You never feel lonely when you've got a dog around. No. It, they, they're such incredible companions. For me, certainly, they help me live in the moment. So when I see a dog in, in the park and the dog's just running and enjoying the grass and nature and just being there, and they're not thinking about, well, they might be, but they, I haven't, they haven't shared that. But there just seems to be such a love of being present and sniffing and everything's enjoyed with so much gusto. Their mm. sense, yeah. They are so emotional because I have seen with B if she's crying, mm. Lulu comes and lick her. Mm. Stop crying. What happened? Mm. And if she <laughs> screams, she comes and what's happening? I have to see why it's B screaming. Oh, wow. They're mm. incredibly in touch mm. and they really make one's laugh. Very, very f- you laugh, fulfilled. You it's, smile. You there's mm. always this smile on your face if you have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Okay, fine. I'm getting a puppy. Okay, we're getting you a puppy. We're going looking for puppies this mm-hmm. evening. What kind of puppy? A small one, a big one. Not small. We're yeah, going for very, small. very small. The With smallest you can find. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll you can come to me and give you some few tricks how to raise it. It's like your, your newborn baby. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have a better dog whisperer. Mm-hmm. Oh, ooh, nice, Felicia. Uh. Mm-hmm. Maybe you won't be scared anymore. You'll love it. Maybe it can make your coffee toasty and give you. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been so wonderful. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. It was uh, so lovely being here and sharing our doggy stories. And actually, we better go now, Fee. They've been alone for two hours. Oh my goodness! <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we're working on their they on their t- on their timetable according to their timetable. They can't be on their own for too long. <laughs> Special for Frankie. Sh- tell Fee, won't you tell um, to Lisa? She won't believe me about poor Frankie. What but happened? She has asthma. <gasps> oh, I heard about this. Uh-huh. Tell us about Frankie's asthma. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Dogs could have asthma. Mm. Wow. Does he have a pump? I mean, does she have uh-huh. a pump? She uses a pump. Wow. She just gets short of breath. <laughs> then oh. you have to... Does she pay. run to you and... No. She'll be sleeping there or walking. It just happens anytime. It's like a human being asthma. Oh, wow. So it's just attack. Boom. Mm. This day. So you have to spray it until it's, it's calm. Really a baby. Mm. <laughs> Very. She's even got a baby asthma pump. <laughs> it's got the little bears and everything on it. Oh, that's wonderful. Ah, so anyway, <laughs> you'll come you so and much, spend ladies. time with baby Frankie, Lulu, and us. <laughs> I will do, and I'll bring my new pet puppy. Okay. Looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, please make sure to follow our Twitter page. It's at Made Project. That's M A I D E Project, as well as our Facebook page, which is also. Made project and it's called the Made Sessions. Have a very lovely evening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Woof woof. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.